0: Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO, the show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And if you, like me, just about everyone else in this nation, you're probably asking yourself, can you believe the political and the opinion polls? I mean, just just how accurate are they? And how do these pollsters conduct their survey? And one most important part, how much do polls actually affect the outcome of the election or the market that they review. And well my but we are in good luck today, my friend, because we are going to lay it all bare with a very expert and articulate help of Dr. Krista Jenkins, uh, Director of Public Mind Polling Services and the a political science professor at Fairleigh Dickinson University, and she will be our guiding Virgil as we descend into the very heart of the polling process. So we're going to see the challenges, the flaws, and we're going to see this trade's most amazing and important important achievement. This is going to be fascinating. So whether you are an attorney who has just penned a new book on feminine law and is trying to grasp public perception like Jill, or you're a a robot-making CEO seeking to blend human and electronic understanding like Wendy, pull your chair up a little closer. Join our feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined, to make your careers thrive and your adventures flourish. Chris, I'm so glad that you could come by today and demystify the the polling process for us.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Oh, that's great. Now you are uh, a, a <laughs> professor of political science at Fairleigh Dickinson University, and you're director of this very unusual academic entity, Public Mind. So uh, let's let's really sort of go straight to the underbelly of, of accuracy. Do your polls work? I mean, does surveying a thousand people really accurately reflect the actions of 300 million people or 235 million voters? I've always sort of viewed it like, you know, grabbing the tail of the elephant and predicting what it all looks like.
1: It does, uh, despite some of the bad press that the polling op- polling field has has got in recent uh, months with the uh, outcome of the presidential election and the controversy about pollsters missing the mark in some important state races. Um, uh, Despite all of that, we have good evidence that um, polling remains a very accurate way of gaining a sense um, of what large populations are thinking and also what they are doing. Um, And that's largely a consequence of the fact that we, you know, telephone surveys still use what's called a probability sample, which means that everybody uh, in your population of interest has an equal chance of being selected, so there's nothing... Systematically biased about how you 're finding people to be in your sample, so therefore you 're able to generalize to these larger populations
0: right i see so you 're not going by a particular action and, and and which of course gives you a much better chance of getting some a random and honest sampling well uh, could you give us some a uh, couple of examples uh, with of some actual numbers that you 've come pretty close to that you've come really close to in the past anything?
1: Sure. Well, I have been um, at the helm of Public Mind um, here at Fairleigh Dickinson University since 2012, and so I have been um, here for one gubernatorial election. Uh, that was the re-election of Governor Chris Christie back in 2013, um, mm-hmm. and well, Public I Mind. Yes, and Public <clears> Mind um, came within. I don't have the exact number committed to memory, but it certainly came within a very, very small uh, percentage of, of, of accuracy relative to the actual. Um, yeah. Uh, The actual results. And so I I just want to do, I I do want to just also talk a little bit really quickly about the the difficulty. I think that oftentimes people look at pollsters and they judge their merits on the extent to which they're able to predict election outcomes. And that is a very difficult thing to do because what you're ultimately doing is you're trying to predict the behavior of a population that really has yet to materialize you know, you're trying to argue, you're trying to look into the future, discern who among your sample are actually going to turn out to vote, and also discern how they're going to cast their vote. And that's a very difficult thing to do. I think it's unfortunate that so much emphasis is put on understanding uh, someone's worth on the basis of how closely they're able to predict elections. Uh, but that's the world that we live.
0: Yeah, well, we we all face it. And I, I think I've I'm very impressed with how close you're because that that last uh, that election, the the second Christie election, was was very uh, highly uh, combated and, and uh, with people contesting on all sides. It was uh, to, to get that close. I'm I'm very impressed. So with that sort of tempting nosh at today's feast of wisdom, uh, allow me now to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before <laughs> you a few utensils for furthering today's feast. And first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of chief executive officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you will ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you look at your ambition and determine if you're not making it a handle to let others steer you toward their own benefits? Or will you continue to salivate on cue and allow your own greed to make you an inadvertent pushover? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense your yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the one hundred and one best business quips book. So I have it in my little pause here and okay. Here we go, here we go. This is number forty three. <clears throat> Harvard Business Review studies quote prove that the ideal tenure for a CEO is 4.8 years. Apparently, given another 45 days, uh, the CEO will destroy the firm. <laughs> Krista, does that sound like a, 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 a sound stat to you?
1: Well, it's hard to evaluate. I would have to look at and see how they how the research was conducted and and basically what the criterion is for uh you know measuring the success of a ceo um the harvard business (laughs) review certainly sounds like a legitimate outlet for research but without knowing more about how that statistic um came to be it would be difficult for me to comment on that
0: well good for you i think i think they've outlet some of their their research and let it go to to their heads in a way and as an afterthought might i add beware statistical alchemy instead, my friend, opt for quality of character. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 101 Best Business or 102 Best Business quips, and you are going to have yourself uh, your hands around a a whole new quiver of just outlandishly uh, funny witticisms that are going to uh, barb forth a chortle out of all your fellow chain gangers at work. And as a third utensil, I think we should have appropriately entitle this one, the consensus spoon, we proffer you the answer to last week's business quiz, quip, I'm sorry, last week's business quotation, straighten up boy, that is, the name of the author who noted, write what you know that should leave you a lot of free time <laughs> Those. <were laughs> write what you know, that should leave you a lot of free time uh, th- those words were spoken by none other than the remarkably insightful uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning poet, Mr. Howard Nemiroff. And stick with us, because later on in the show, blurting your way comes another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at com. That's info at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's books Bookstore. <clears throat> so, with utensils in hand, my friend, gather up all your personal opinions and let's lay them at the feet of the very wise uh, political opinion pollster, Dr. Krista Jenkins. Krista, uh, I'm interested in what... Led you into this field? I mean, you teach courses in political behavior. You you came as a political scientist. Have have you always sort of sensed that the that American politics is more than its leadership? That there's some sort of a, a mysterious mass of populists directing our nation in ways we don't realize?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, when you're when you're trained um, as a political scientist, you know, you go to graduate school for this. Um, a big part of your training is trying to understand uh, public uh, public opinion, and of course, the foundation of public opinion is survey research. Uh, it's basically how we kind of know what we know about what the public is thinking and doing, um, and that then led to you know trying to understand not just the the substance of public opinion but the methods behind understanding it. And um, so, yes, I I was I was initially recruited here at the university to be a professor, which is what I. Uh, continue to do and teach classes, but then my survey research um, training in graduate school led me to then take over uh, the poll here at FDU.
0: Okay. Now, you say you've been uh, with Public Mind. You've been directing Public Mind since 2012, right? Yes. And now what uh, what drove that into existence? Where did that come from? Tell us.
1: Well, it's interesting that you said at the beginning uh, your opening remarks um, suggested that uh, Public Mind is is you know potentially unique at a at a, at a university, um, and that's that's somewhat true. Not every university has a public opinion poll, but increasingly, I think we've seen uh, colleges and universities doing what FDU does, which is uh, start their own public opinion polls and uh, you know conduct what are called public interest surveys. Um, that you know, ask people questions about government and politics and kind of popular culture issues. And then that generates press releases and then that generates name recognition among the population in regard to the university that um, houses that particular public opinion poll. So I'm sure people have heard of the name Quinnipiac University. Um, prior mm-hmm. to the start of the Quinnipiac poll, I would argue that uh, fewer people knew what Quinnipiac University was. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> so um, FDU has started. I thought it was started... a sport
0: played by wizards, but what do I yeah. know?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, so FDU st- basically did the same thing and started uh, Public Mind. Um, so to some extent, uh, Public Mind is a marketing arm of the university, but at the same time, I think over the years it's grown into something much more. Uh, we are now looked to for um, insights and analysis and trend data on particularly issues in the state of New Jersey, which is where we're based. Uh, we do do some national polls, but for the most part, I think our focus is on understanding really what is going on in the Garden State.
0: Huh, enough work as it is. Uh, and if, if I'm starting such a, a polling group, uh, I, I need authority. I mean, people have to trust me, so... Uh, how do I get the American Association for Public Opinion Research to uh, accept my findings or, or, or give me
1: credence? Sure. Well, Apor as it's known in the business, A, uh, the American Association for Public Opinion Research, is not really in the no. business of accepting findings. They are sort of our professional association, and so right, what right. Apor does is basically work to establish standards that we should all um, uphold in doing polling work. Obviously, transparency is key so that anyone who is interested in whatever findings you're disseminating can not only get the numbers, but also understand how that number uh, was arrived at, you know, what were the, what was right. sort of the, the work that went into um, that particular poll. Um, and, you know, APOR is also a fabulous organization for uh, pulling together the brightest minds in the industry when major questions of polling um, policy come up. So, for example, beginning of the show I talked about how recently pollsters, I think, have – Increasingly come under scrutiny for what happened in the 2016 presidential election. Um, And it's a valid question. Um, APOR has put together a sort of a blue ribbon panel of people to examine that question and try to unpack what happened so that all of us can benefit from the wisdom that they uh, arrive at by looking at these particular state polls that were off in their prediction of who would win those. Uh, particular state. Uh, oh, okay. you know, so I mean, they're
0: they're the ones who would tell me, uh, don't send somebody around in a white sheet and a hood when you're taking a door-to-door poll. Stuff like that. <laughs> well.
1: Hopefully, you wouldn't need a for that, but nonetheless, yes. Oh, okay, they are, they are, yes, sort if, of if you do. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, anyway, if, if you've just joined us, you're, you're listening uh, for some strange reason to the Art of the CEO Radio Show, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misperceived realms of cyberspace. Where and you're here, you may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com/slash/the Art of the CEO or you may find other all the shows to download at theartoftheceo.com that's theartoftheceo.com and now uh while we have uh we have sort of got the the structure uh, let's let's turn to the process let's let's fill it up uh recently on on public mind website there were findings Uh, I believe that that said the Trump administration had a remarkably low approval uh, rating uh, within the Garden State and that New Jerseyans were finding more help from the Affordable Care Act than perceived. I believe I got that right. Uh, Okay. Give a, uh, let's just take the, those findings. Give us a sampling. How did you go about conducting this survey and come up with these findings? How did you sort of? How did you set the poll up originally?
1: Sure. So the first thing you do is obviously you draft your questionnaire um, and you write questions that are designed to be um, objective, uh, certainly not leading anyone in the direction of a, of a particular response. Um, oh, and then right. from there, you we, here at FDU we don't have our own call center, so we outsource. Um, the actual interviews to a call center, somebody that we've worked with for years and whom we we trust, and so they are so the ones. You don't
0: who, do students. Uh, to, to, we don't. You
1: know, to, no, we're no. Okay. We do not have we don't have our own call center, so we outsource that. Right. Um, the call center then places the calls, and um, that in and of itself is a whole, I think, other conversation, um, because we we sample both uh, landlines and also cell phones. It means that uh, I think our, our current split is about sixty forty. Uh, landline oh. to cell ratio, and um, so the interviews are conducted, and then it's it's all transcribed uh, quantitatively, and the data is sent back to me for analysis, and then from there, it's simply a matter of looking at the top line numbers, uh, you know, just basically the people who say X and Y and all of that, and then you look at the the demographic differences. So, for example, do Men and women see things differently. Do Democrats and Republicans see things differently? And then that generates uh, fodder for press releases, and that's basically how the process works.
0: Okay. Well, now, once you've got this poll sample and the questions established and you you made the calls, the way you do, and and it comes back in, um, you you have to – you've got all this, uh, for want want of uh, uh, a better term, data, um, and that is you – what um, you're going to have more men than women, say, uh, are represented in the poll and more young people than you want. Do you adjust, do you throw yes. out certain conclusions uh, to, no. to, to make your demographic fit the, 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 the sample, the, the state demographic?
1: No, the way it works, as I said earlier, what you do is you draw what's called a probability sample where everybody is selected randomly, um, right. And inevitably, what happens, however, is despite every attempt to make things random and, and, and to pick up what's called a good cross-section, a good snapshot of what the, uh, you know, smaller version of the New Jersey population, inevitably you do end up with perhaps uh, more women than men than there, do, than, there, than there appear in the actual population. You end up sure. certainly with more older people than younger people uh, for a variety of reasons. And then what you do, however, is you're not, you're not kicking anyone's responses out. What you do is you apply what are called mathematic weights, where you uh, essentially weight down the incidence of women and increase the incidence of men, and, you know, the same would, would hold for um, age, so that you're doing this in a way to make the, make the sample look more representative of the actual population. Now, that sounds like you're tweaking the data and you're basically playing with it, manipulating it. You're really not. The weight, assuming that you have a, a good sample, um, your, your weights are going to be rather small. And um, but that and you're be weighting
0: better. it to fit the demographic of the, your area, Correct. your desired area, the state, the, the nation, or whatever.
1: That's right. So you look at census data, the most recent, um, it's called the American Community Survey, and you look right. at census data that shows exactly the incidence of men and women, yeah. educated, uneducated, et cetera. And that's what right. you're comparing uh-huh. your sample to.
0: Just one quick question. Do more women answer the phone than
1: men? They do. Ah, okay. they do. I, yes, I, that's why you I end up with a that. higher incidence. <laughs> yes, that's why you end up with the higher incidence of women so, initially. Is that why men. everybody thinks
0: America is so much politer than it are? That it really is because <laughs> because we have more women answering the phone. I I knew that was it. I knew that was it.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, however, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but certainly. Yeah. um you know, when we talk about uh, the, just the, the simple willingness of people to even answer their phone if they don't recognize sure. the number, I I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure how much gender even affects that. I think it's a universal uh, unwillingness that that we're seeing increasingly in the part of Americans.
0: As more and more calls come in, even yeah. in ads on cell phone, which are a relatively new phenomenon, and that's yeah, the resistance is going to go up. Okay, now after Krista's, uh, really sort of enlightening of the opinion prognostication process, uh, I think it's time to gently take a brief survey from the Feast of Wisdom and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among many other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com to explore a wide wealth of really practical, wisdom and ideas from business masters and at this very day prometheus would like you to take a look at one of its books entitled so that's how they do it tactics from business masters and this is one of my favorite book projects primarily because of the readership this book was designed for uh what what we term at bart's book the energized elite and and energized elite. You, you know who you are. You're that individual who's going to push his arms up against the, sw- uh, the swivel chair, rise up, find some new idea, seize a better tool, apply it to your own job, um, invest in a book, do what it takes to get what you like out of the world of business. And I, and so instead of some sort of six-step process uh, that answers all your life problems, th- this book offers a small sport of tactics that have been proven by uh, – many business people are around the globe and uh each tactic or discipline or attitude uh is gives a has a brief example and uh our hope is that you'll pick up a copy so that's how they do it and apply the to- tools that suit you and uh, set your mind pondering and again you may find so that's how they do it at among other places bartsbooks.com that's b a r t s b o o k s.com and oh, oh and, and while you're at the site, don't forget to click on uh, that little blue mailbox on the homepage. That will get you subscribing, absolutely free, to a weekly business quip, and you will have winging your way over the ephemeral enigma of e- email some wisecracking quip and a wise afterthought, all guaranteed to plaster a smile on your lovely countenance. So there. Uh, and uh, speaking of delivering decision-making wisdom. Uh, let's trot back to uh, the enlightened circle of Miss Krista Jenkins as she explains the complex processes of uh, opinion polling and their effect and Krista this is one that we've gone around on before and you mentioned it I said it's uh, a well known fact of physics that the very act of measuring an entity changes that entity whether you're tracing the path of an electron or the electorate and um I my my personal feeling is I watch this this uh uh polling develop and influenced by and passed on and enhanced uh out of out of all process in the media and it's it's an inadvertent collusion but it it focuses the whole uh people on the horse race and issues become icing and so I'm asking can you convince me that polling is an innocent wallpaper in the process
1: well, I, 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 your point is well taken. There have been all kinds of concerns about, uh, particularly around elections, the extent to which polling no. um, can can basically convince people that perhaps they're siding with the wrong candidate. And it's called the bandwagon effect, right? So if you continue to right, see right. polls suggesting that so and so, you want to is be with leading, the winner. You want to be with the winner. So there, there is certainly that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I think that there's certainly some merit to that. But, you know, at the same time, I would always say, you know, to people who raise concerns about that, I would say, well, you know, let's, let's imagine a world without polling. You know, how would we know what we know, um, you know, about the world? There's, there's very limited opportunities for the kind of insights that, um, in fact, I would argue there really are no other opportunities for the insights that uh, polls uh, continue what about to the, the, the
0: Lincoln Douglas debates? They went from place to place, and <laughs> supposing old Abe had gotten two points lower and then three points lower, uh would we all be remembering pre- President Douglas? Um <laughs> well, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I
0: mean, how would, you know, It's just, I, that one comes to mind. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I just remain convinced that, uh you know, again, despite the limitations and some of the challenges that we can talk about, it remains really the best way of knowing what we know about uh, about the American political system.
0: I, okay. I, I I accept that. I accept that. And I've heard you say that the – well, you mentioned earlier on the show that the entire uh, standard methods of polling have become immensely more challenging yeah. due to high cell phone use and other technologies. And I, it, how would you say – that polling for you uh, has changed since uh, this last, the Trump-Clinton election, we've just said, and even not so far back, let's say the Obama-McCain election of 2008. Has there been a, a change in the process?
1: Well, I mean, we've, we've been observing changes um, for quite some time in the industry. Uh, so certainly, you know, these predate <laughs> the Obama-McCain campaign of 2008. Um, but the, one of the major challenges is, of course, declining response rates. And by this, I mean the the, uh, w- the lack of, the w- the unwillingness, I should say, of people to actually take part in any kind of polls. Um, right, and so, right. you know, obviously there's concerns about the representation of the actual samples that you're getting relative to your population of interest. Um, so there's that piece, and then there's also cell phones. It's it's just making it more difficult. Cell phones drive up the cost of, of polling, because not to get too much into the weeds on this, but the way the law currently is written, it, the law I'm referring to, it's called the TCPA or the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, and right now it currently right, prohibits right, right. cell phones from being uh, called using auto dialers, um, which right. means that if you're calling people on their cell phones, you cannot use an auto dialer, uh, which randomly dials a number and then kicks it to a live interviewer if they sent somebody on the phone. But exactly you can on a landline. You can. You can use auto dialers, but for cell phones so you cannot.
0: That, that. That's a different factoring right there. I, I it guess does.
1: Now. So it drives up the cost because you're, it's taking longer to get your. Uh, it's taking longer to collect your sample, and then if you layer on top of that the increased incidence of non-response, then you can understand yeah, that yeah. it's become more costly and more difficult.
0: What adaptations do you see coming up in the future? Then.
1: Well, or I think changes? that um, we're already seeing that people are exploring the possibility of doing internet using the internet as a means of collecting data. Um, and, there are, you know, the internet's already being used for what's called non-probability surveys, which means that rather than people being selected randomly to participate, they are selected by virtue of being on a website at a certain time. Uh, or, for example, I always, you know, I'm not sure if you've had this, but you're trying to read an article in a, an online publication, and you go to right. advance the story, and you, a pop-up window appears that says, if you'd like to continue reading this, please take part in our three-question survey. That's an example of an opt-in, an online non-probability survey. Uh, and there's, there's, you know, the jury is still out on whether or not they are uh, a good replacement. Uh, right now, I think the 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 uh, the evidence is is there not an, a suitable replacement because you're not I would think a the the folks
0: who do form a certain the folks who would say yes, I'll take the survey form a different group with different opinions than than the random sampling of the U.S. I mean,
1: yeah, definitely. So there's concerns there, but but there's also companies that have started uh, online probability surveys. Uh, problem with them is that they are they're certainly very well done, but they're quite expensive. So yeah, I yeah. think we're in a, a state of um, change, and I would argue that. Probably ten years from now, we probably will not be doing telephone interviews. It probably will be done online, and in the interim, we'll have the ability to do it in a very uh, methodologically sound way.
0: They they surveyed before door to door, right, and then the telephone came in. So sure, a a constant
1: state of uh, innovation. Yes.
0: Oh, well, we've got to have you back on us to, to, to make sure that we can find out all the newest, latest stuff that's going to be coming at us. But uh, before I let you go, I, I have to do one thing. You have co-authored a book, uh, a couple of books. but one, one is A New Engagement and Where Have All the Heroes Gone and Mothers and Daughters and Political Socialization. Um, if uh, if I was looking for some top flight speaker for my organization, or uh, or I want to get these books, or I, I just want to contact you and find out more about uh, bowling, how would I get a hold of you, and how would I get a hold of your books?
1: Oh sure, well I think the books are all available on Amazon, um, uh, so that's always good. But then getting in touch with me is easy. You can just email me Kay Jenkins at fdu.edu, or you can go to our website publicmind.fdu.edu.
0: Great. That's wonderful. Well, I really, I have learned an awful lot today. and I'm sure everybody else listening has. So I thank you very much for, uh, Coming, coming down to take the take the chance. And uh, I just have one more question. That is, uh, I'm really a very personable person who, uh, when I give other people a chance to talk at all, I'm, I'm very good at soliciting their ideas. And I, I don't really berate other individuals with stupid opinions any more than they deserve. Do you think
1: I'd make a good pollster? Oh, certainly. Absolutely. As long as you <laughs> Yeah, it's uh as long as you're willing to uh listen and um and try to come up with objective ways of of asking things and be open to changes in how you uh uh how you draw samples, etc. Uh you'd be great.
0: <laughs> I see a lot of work ahead of me. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on. This this was okay. just wonderful. I have really enjoyed it, and we'll we'll have you back as soon as, and and keep up with the changes as they go ahead.
1: Thank very you very so good. Much. Thank you. Take care.
0: And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. So who was it who said, "The gambling known as business." Looks with severe disfavor upon the business known as gambling, <laughs> and as a hint to that author, this sly-witted sage wrote one devil of a dictionary. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just scroll that author's name down as you believe him or her to be, and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's i n f o at b a r t s. B-O-O-K-S dot com to win an absolutely power thrusting career enhancing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore and as a parting shot in the words of my wife's husband learn to deal with each person's personal pace and abilities to do otherwise is a lot like whipping a carousel pony And do tune in next week to The Art of the CEO, because we're going to bring you one of the nation's top board of directors and CFOs, the fascinating Mike Marty, whose intriguing tales will draw back the veil on all corporate governance and reveal just how major firms like Nabisco, Samsonite, Couric, all both soar and flounder. Good, great stories are going to be coming your way. And to you... Gleefully, who have been glee, gleefully sharing our feast. I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Chris and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheCEO. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.